The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BJN Radio, episode number 285. Who cares? I am Jimmy Kemsky with Lily the Cat sitting on a recliner behind me, Charles Van Puppington uh, on the floor here, and Brandon Galton of BleedingGreenNation.com, as always. Brandon, we got a lot, not a lot, but we'll we'll cover the Eagles-Steelers game. Uh, We will get to the rest of the results around the NFC East and other notable NFC games. We will each volunteer one player. What We only get one shot, Brandon and I each, at uh, a player that the Eagles will trade for by 4 o'clock on Tuesday, which is the NFL's trade deadline. Before we get to all that, I need to know where I can find the finest meat snacks. Happy Halloween to you, Jimmy. Oh, yes. I don't too. think many people <laughs> will necessarily be putting savory snacks uh, out for the children's and whatnot. But, uh, you know, let's say, I mean, by the time you're listening to this, it's probably after Halloween anyway. Why not get yourself some snacks after you got your kids some snacks and everything? And go to RightToSellin.com, mm-hmm. discount code BGN15. The Eagles are eight wins away from going 15-0. and 0. Um, So there you go. Maybe that that, that righteous felon is bringing good vibes, good juju uh, to the Eagles. Who knows? They're the ones eating it. The Eagles players are eating it. They're having a ton this season. They're loading up on it, and it's why they're undefeated. Probably uh, righteousfelon.com, discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. We do have a lot to talk about and not much time to talk about it. So why don't we just dive right on in, Jimmy? And there's only really one place to start with the Eagles. Was it 30? What was the final score? I forget. Uh, bad job by me. Uh, numbers. Third? I don't even yeah, remember Isn't that either. funny? Because like, it wasn't really like... <laughs> I rarely do remember those scores. It's I mean, odd. you really remember the BGN uh, radio numbers, so that makes sense. I don't even... You know what? I don't even 35 have to 13. I'm, I'm pulling up my article here. Like, <laughs> I'm pulling up like my, my 10 awards article. I don't even have it in there. That's a bad yeah, job. Bad for SEO purposes. Yeah, okay. 35-13. They won by, I, knew they won, I knew they won by but 22. But the big story, obviously, is... AJ freaking Brown. That dude is pretty good. <laughs> we talked about it all training camp long. Yeah. And we also talked about how the connection between Jalen Hurts and him was pretty dynamite and pretty uh, uh, a moneymaker, if you will. And sure enough, 
Yeah. Uh, it hasn't been like that's, you know, showed up every single week. And it kind of had been a bit of a dry spell. There was that weird game against the Cardinals where like they didn't even use him a lot. And I was like, what are you doing? And mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts had kind of been quiet for the past couple of weeks. Jimmy, he was only averaging just under 200 passing yards per game, like 199 uh, in his last three starts heading into this one. And he exploded mm-hmm. and AJ Brown exploded. And it was a huge day. I think there's good reason for the, you know, the, the slowdown of his statistics over the last three games. Jaguars, of course, was the rainy, windy game. Uh, the Cardinals, was just, the Cardinals game was just a weird game plan, in my opinion. They really tried to attack more horizontally than vertically when I think there are opportunities to take plays to, you know, take shots down the field. Weird to me. And then the Cowboys game, uh, they did uh, move the ball down the field against them. And then once Lane Johnson went out, they got a little bit more conservative and, you know, they had a lead, of course, uh, in the second half and they took their foot off the gas a little bit there. But uh, in this game, they got back to taking shots down the field and A.J. Brown was the recipient of that five for 113 and three touchdowns. He'd 156 in the first half. They meant total five for 113 and three touchdowns in the first half. And then he ended with six, six for 156. It was a career was day for him, just edging out the two times he went for 155. And he could have had more. He could have I easily that, had... I thought that reception that he had in the second half, by the way, where he broke yeah. away, he had, like, he had a lot of yak on that on that reception. He looked good there. <laughs> like I thought that was his most impressive. Play. Well, maybe not. The, the, the one, the play where he tr- hurts just kind of chucked it touchdown. up. Um, yeah. And he tracked it, and he showed his ball skills, and his contested catchability is all there, all in one play uh, between those two defenders. Um, the next two touchdowns were absolutely yes. dimes by Jalen Hurts. I mean, just beautiful uh, deep throws by by Hurts on those two touchdowns. Reminded me a little bit of the throws, the throw that he made to Devontae Smith against the Broncos last year in what was his best performance of that season, best half uh, of that season uh, last year. I mean, he had a MVP caliber kind of day, in my opinion, Jalen Hurts. But getting back to A.J. Brown for a minute, he's the best receiver the Eagles have had since Terrell Owens. Is he better um, than T.O.? And I think that the season that Terrell Owens had in 2004 is mirroring, you know, sort of what A.J. Brown is is doing so far here in uh, 2022. I mean, T.O. got out to a huge start. I actually just looked up his game log yeah. from that season, and I think it was like five of his first six games he had over 100 yards. Of course, he was piling up touchdowns like crazy, too, and he had like a different celebration for like every touchdown he scored. It was a very fun season to to watch him do what he was doing, and then he kind of cooled off for a little bit, got hurt, and we all know the story or whatever, but um, A.J. Brown's a little bit behind him in terms of where T.O. was at this point during the 2004 season, uh, but man, he... AJ Brown was uh, a phenomenal pickup uh, when when Howie Rose traded for him during the 2022 NFL draft. Um, I thought he was going to be good. Obviously, we all knew what he did in Tennessee over the first three years of his career. I did not expect him to be this good this early. I feel like it's underrated how. Do you remember in 2004? I remember the broadcast always talking about this, where there was this bet between Andy Reid and T.O. where if T.O. got 15 touchdowns, Andy would uh-huh. have to wear like a spandex suit or something. I feel like that never gets talked about. <laughs> yes. How it's crazy because he came one touchdown shy. He came 14 <laughs> and then he got hurt. Um, Andy yeah. Reid, I guess, I mean, obviously I'm sure he would have 
gladly worn the suit for what that meant. But uh, he also kind of dodged a bullet at the same time because they're still really good. Yeah, well, big time. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, A.J. Brown's been awesome. I mean, I don't know what else can you say. Like, he, like, what kind of receiver is he in the NFL? Like, how many receivers are better than him? Who would you, like, definitely take mm-hmm. over him? Maybe, like, okay, Justin Jefferson? What do you, like... Well, if we're not factoring in age, that's a big factor. Um, Let's factor that in. I think Devo- <laughs> yeah. Okay. So if you factor that in, that I would I would not take Devontae okay. Adams over him. Um, Stephon Diggs, Cooper Cup is really good. Uh, I'd probably take okay. Cooper Cup. I don't know. Mm. I, I mean, but 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 also Brown is like <laughs> his body type. You take that over Cooper Cup yeah. every day of the week. Well, you don't um, need to scheme him. They're, I mean, they're 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 both awesome. Uh, you take, I would take Justin Jefferson over AJ Brown, but it's like you know, you know, it's very you're kind of splitting hairs to some extent here too. Like this is like this is an yeah. amazing player, and on a great contract. What were the Titans thinking? Like the Titans have you know haven't been like a disaster without him. But like, I mean, why would you trade this guy? Like what what? How could that be worth it? How could the, whatever the 18th pick or whatever they got? Like how is that? This guy's worth like multiple first round picks, not just one. One one first round pick is a steal. Is a steal of a trade. Great move by Howie Roseman to, and obviously, you know, some of it is luck. And I'm not trying to say that to discredit him, but I'm just saying that's the nature of it. Like, you know, they wanted Allen Robinson. They wanted other guys and it didn't mm-hmm. happen and it worked out. Um, also, yeah. wanted Russell Wilson and <laughs> that also worked out that not getting him. Um, yeah. But yeah, certainly it's a big credit to Howie to credit for AJ Brown. You're just being unstoppable and awesome. And again, 156 could have had more because there was that touchdown where did you see what happened there? Like where, like hurts through to him. It was later in the game. I think he already had a couple. Oh yeah, I don't know if that was a drop. It looked or, like a drop from where was. I was in the press box. Probably you know similar angle for you. Um, mm-hmm. Couldn't really tell, but also could have been a just you know timing was a little bit off. Whatever, but and also who cares? <laughs> he had three mm-hmm. touchdowns. Um, right. Uh, but yeah, just incredible. And you know he he gets caught from behind. Uh, on that one barely by Minka Fitzpatrick you know who's also a good player yes. um so it took like the Steelers one of their best defensive backs to kind of make a special play and barely get him down he dove and he like he hit his foot exactly. he barely got it he barely even yep. got a piece of him um and yeah I, I just like that's unstoppable <laughs> how do you stop that like he he's great and yeah. if you do if you do somehow stop AJ Brown you know Dallas Goddard uh, is there Devontae mm-hmm. Smith is there this isn't breaking news there by any means but it's just I think it was a very encouraging to see because Okay, the, yeah, again, you, you outlined the reasons why the passing offense may have not exploded the past few weeks, but we needed to see it back. Yeah. And I, I think I said that in the preview going yes. into this game. I'd like to see the passing offense kind of get back on track here and for Hurts to have a big game because, like, in the long – because it's not just about beating teams. Like, that's part of it, staying undefeated, putting yourself in a good position for the postseason, but you want to actually be able to win once you get there. And this kind of victory shows that they can't – if they can have big success through the air. I know it's a lesser team – um, still counts, still really encouraging. I think we saw a really complete game from the offense too. They actually only had like, like, what, what, how many snaps did they have offensively? Like fifty three or something. Like that. it was a very low number comparative to the the their snap counts the rest of the season. But Miles Sanders only had uh, nine carries, and he still was able to manage. I think what seventy three yards or something like that in a touchdown. Um, Hertz only ran the ball, ran with the crazy. ball twice, which. Which was his low yeah, for the Bo season, Wolf of course. Out, I think his um, previous uh, low was nine. <laughs> I think. Okay. <laughs> like it's, 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 two is a big deal. And the Eagles starters only played 40-something snaps because the backups all played 11. So they got rest 
for Hertz, Jordan Mailata, Isaac Sayamalo, mm-hmm. Jason Kelsey, uh, Lane Johnson, um, and then the, the receivers and, and Miles Sanders as well. So uh, that's a nice little benefit to have blown out the Steelers in this game uh, on the short week of of rest between now and and when they go to Houston to play the Texans on, on Thursday night. So um, yeah, it was it was, it was they've, it's weird that this is actually the first time they took starters out because they've had big leads in every single game. And I'm not saying it's wrong that they haven't taken starters out. There, there was never a time in any of those other games where you would have taken the starters out. I actually thought they took it the starters out. It did feel a little too early. Like a smidge early. Uh, but you get it <laughs> like, with the, um, you know, who you're playing. You're not like playing like yeah, Tom Brady yeah, yeah. in his prime. You're playing Kenny Pickett and you're also have a Thursday night game. I always look at that uh, in a similar way to when, um, you know, the, the miracle to Meadowlands, when the Eagles were down 21 with, I think it was like eight and a half mm-hmm. minutes. So I always kind of base my idea, take your starters out on that sure. game. <laughs> so like there was like nine minutes or something like left and they were up 22. And I'm yeah. like, ah, okay, I've seen this happen before. But like you said, it's it's a Steelers offense that is not the same as that uh, old Eagles offense with Michael Vick and all those guys. So um, yeah, I, uh, it, it's, it was good for, for Nick Sirianni to be able to get those guys out and and also to get some of those other guys some playing time, like Gardner Minshew hasn't enter, entered a yep. game so far this year. Um, and then you get all, all your backup offensive Pretty linemen in there. Uh, just kind of keep keep them. <laughs> Dillard evidently played a little left guard. He's versatile, game. baby. Like, they... <laughs> That's right. And I so Jeff McLean had pointed that out on Twitter, and I uh, and I quote tweeted it and said something like. Uh, the Eagles are showcasing his uh, his versatility, and I think people took me seriously I mean, on they, that. I like, think they are, though. I mean, <laughs> that's, yeah. maybe, yeah, maybe they were, but yeah, he played like two or three snaps or something like that at guard. Um, but yeah, so uh, it was a blowout win, and I think Eagles, not not Eagles fans, Philly fans, kind of needed that in mm-hmm. you know amid and and like you said in the last podcast, not all Eagles fans that listen sure. to this podcast are. Phillies fans, but I think uh, locally here, uh, the your your average Philly fan really needed this easy win at the Eagles. So you know you can't have too much stress every night uh, watching watching sports. And certainly this is, this will be a stressful you know next week or so with the with the Phillies playing the Astros in the World Series. But um, anyway, uh, did you have any any more thoughts on the offense? Yeah, you know, good game for Miles Sanders. He averaged like what seven point eight yards per carry. Had that touchdown mm-hmm. run right after AJ Brown got caught from behind to cap off that drive with a score. So good job by him. Quietly, kind of had like a really nice game. Thought the offensive line opened up some big holes in there. Not to say mm-hmm. he didn't take advantage, but like you know, offensive line also run blocking. Thought you know they were another strong day for them, and also could portend well to this week's game against the Texans too are not necessarily the best run defense we'll get into that um yeah well not super later in the week because they play on thursday but in a future pod or a preview pod uh, in a day or two uh, last thing i wanted to say is on the coaching staff because i think they deserve a lot of credit too uh you know Jalen hurts aj brown give them all their flowers and those are the exciting names to talk about but i think nick sirianni's messaging mm-hmm. coming out of the bye was really good i know you had talked about the messaging uh for the dallas game and how that was important his messaging mm-hmm. for uh, coming out of the bye was that like we need to avoid the letdown you know here are teams that kind of came out of the bye and they didn't play like they did 
um they 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 told, like they just kind of loafed or whatever they they took things for granted and uh they didn't right. play like the character how they characteristically play um so i think there was a guard against that um to his credit for sure and i also think um coaching staff did some nice things like the touchdown to zach pascal that's coaching like like running that fake screen to dallas goddard that they've run so much mm-hmm. so that the steelers get sucked into that and leave zach pascal streaking down left sideline let wide open like I, I don't know uh if i always pay attention to the coaching staff as much like right after a score you know so i'm looking at the players but i i thought the coaching staff was like super jacked i saw sirianni going wild and i yeah, asked him yeah, about yeah. that uh after uh, the game in this press conference, and he just gave you know the glowing answer. I know we all know Zach Pascal's his boy and means a ton to him. Um, but I also think part of that too is like that's a coaching staff touchdown. It's not just about like Jalen Hurts making a play like he did earlier. So that's like kind of where they can kind of feel good about themselves and making a really good call. So both Sirianni slash Shane Steichen deserve their credit uh, as well. Do you think they drew up that play specifically for Pascal to throw him a bone because he does all the dirty I think work? Because so. that's that's a that, that that's a scheme yeah. yes. touchdown. Like there's nothing special that Zach Pascal did on that play other than run down the field, get wide open, and he was wide open because well, he caught the, ball. the Steelers came up. Like did oh, the ball. Yeah. Think the Steelers came... necessarily make that play? And also, does he you know, does he have the <laughs> yeah, speed to not. get to the end zone? And that's exactly it. Like that's kind of what we talked about. What his mm-hmm. addition was uh, at the beginning of you know th- this this off season, where he was going to do all the dirty work things that JJ Ortega Whiteside did, but would also catch the ball yep. when it came his way, like in those kinds of situations. And, and that's what he did. And I can't, I can't to, you know, answer the question that I just asked you, I kind yeah. of feel like they, they purposely he, gave he that to said as much in his answer. Not like, you know, I mean, he kind of oh, like, he, he okay. said, it's nice when you're able to, you know, have that moment. So I think yes, yeah. is, is the answer to that. I've been waiting I, for them to, to run a, a, a double move yeah. off of, you know, a quick screen all season. And they finally did it in a hit. Um, and they caught it at sure. the right time too. Like, I don't know that, so, I mean, you could look at that and go, why would you waste that against the Steelers? Well, they were up 21 to 10 at the time. And that game, that that play basically put that game away. It also kind of makes other teams have to really respect that play in terms of like, mm-hmm. hey, we can't cheat on Goddard because they're going to, they could be able to hit this. So like, and then you're getting a one-on-one in Goddard and then maybe Goddard makes a play because he only has right. one defender on him and they're not cheating as much. So, uh, yeah, I think that's why Pascal's a good part of the offense, because if you do forget about him, he can kind of hurt you or his presence. It's not like you can't just ignore him totally. You okay, pal? That's Charlie again. He's yeah. weighing in. You all right? Charlie's a big Zach Pascal fan. Um, That's right. Let's, Goddard, let's... by the way, as long as we're as long as we're mentioning yeah. him, six targets, six receptions. Like yep. he's the most efficient player in the league. Yep. It's cra- like a tight end in the league, anyway. Uh, Sixty-four yards. Get that one-handed catch in there. They Pass went to him behind him very commonly in third and fourth down situations. Like he was sort of their go-to guy Made when three he needed to move the chains. Yeah um so yeah he had he had a good game as well um did you have anything else for the offense no let's flip over to the defense where you know it was kind of a weird game in the sense that like there were some long drives that they allowed which are kind of like the frustrating you know classic jonathan gannon like bend and break Mm -hmm. (laughs) some of those uh you know the first one was aided by the special teams penalty when the you know the steelers matched uh by the way what, what is mike tomlin doing going for a field goal <laughs> right. from the two yard line yeah. when his team is like 10 and a half point, 11 and a half point underdogs, uh, you know, and he goes for it once they move the ball to the one and they get it. So whatever. And they're two uh, and five, like who, who yeah. cares? Go for it. <laughs> what are they doing? Yeah. Uh, I like Tomlin, but like some of his decisions in this game were like, we need decisions. I'm like, what do you, cause he kicked a field goal late later in the game too. Yeah. When again, anyway, 
Um, yeah, so the defense, um, but to, to the credit of Gannon's philosophy, uh, Kenny Pickett was not going to just be able to march up and down the field all game long. Mm-hmm. And if you made him run a lot of plays, he was going to turn over the ball. And he did that with the forced fumble by Javon Hargrave, who had a nice game against his mm-hmm. former team. Uh, and then obviously the TJ Edwards deflection that I don't want to discredit Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who now has a career high for interceptions this season. But some of those interceptions have been like, like very, uh, like, like not gifts, but you know, like right, right, right place at the right time. He's we'll and he's it. made the play again to his credit. <laughs> yeah. Not everyone catches the ball, but he does. So yeah. uh, that's nice. But gotta, I want to. He's, he's got to share the league lead. He, he, oh, does he? Okay, yeah. Four? They have the three other players. That's like, crazy. Four interceptions. Uh, I think Gannon deserves some credit, though, because there are some wrinkles in this game that I liked. I liked the cornerback blitz by the aforementioned uh-huh. uh, CJGJ. I thought that was a really nice look there. Um, some of the stunts earlier on, I feel like we hadn't seen that necessarily a ton this mm-hmm. year. And the first one, uh, Hassan Reddick. <laughs> The, these hits that they were putting on Kenny Pickett were like huge. Yeah. Like you know, it's one thing to yeah. sack a quarterback, but they were like sacking him. Like BG crushed them too. It's like you know the tackling dummy in practice, like where the coach holds it up and you like run into it <laughs> right. and tackle it to the ground. Like <laughs> that's what it kind of felt like some of those yeah. times. Yeah, BG crushed him, and then that was uh, negated by a James Bradbury uh, holding. I think yes. Uh, but yeah, I mean the defense as a whole. Look, they did their job for the most part. They played well. They forced turnovers. Um, at, what, what do you have on them? Well, I mean, Hargrave had the two sacks. Um, and then four other guys had one. Reddick, uh, CJGJ, as you mentioned. And then Milton and That's right. Tui. <laughs> the Milton one was kind of weak. Board. But yeah. <laughs> well, he kind of like... the board in this game. I'm not trying to take away from him. I'm just saying, like, he, like, grazed his... Did you did, you saw that, right? He just, like, kind of <laughs> yeah. grazed his arm. Man. Kenny Pickett went down pretty easily for a big guy. It looked like in the stat sheet, it looks like he just jumped over a guy, picked up Pickett, and threw him to the ground. Well, speaking um, of jumping over a guy, we'll get to the Cowboys game in Justin Fields later. But oh, I didn't see that. Uh, I don't well, know what you're talking about on that one, but uh, yeah, okay. Um, and then also defensively, so Kenny Pickett was asked about the Eagles' defense, and he he was actually like he did not like the Eagles' scheme mm. in that explosive plays were hard to come by. The Eagles just weren't giving them up. And he did not like having to drive the field on 12 to 15 Clearly. plays or whatever. Um, I, 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 I think I swear did I see that. I think I saw that on the Eagles Reddit page. Mm. Uh, he, him, uh, Kenny Pickett being interviewed uh, about the Eagles defense. Um, so, I mean, this is a common theme throughout the season where, you know, we can kind of quibble about certain things within the Eagles defense that we may not like. And then the end result is pretty good. <laughs> like mm-hmm. in this case, they gave up 13 points to the Steelers and they turned the ball over twice and their turnover differential in the season is, by the way, their turnover, turnover differential, they have won the turnover battle in all seven mm-hmm. games so far this year. And I don't mean like, you know, either, you know, want, they did not just didn't lose. They've been in the plus territory. They didn't like, you know, tie in any At least plus, plus one. territory. And, Every game so far this year, and they were plus two in this game. Um, I kind of don't think that's uh, a reason for concern going forward. By that, like, I mean... Like regression, yeah. Yes. So uh, I think those those turnovers have been largely earned. Um, it's not like I always bring up um, C.J. Beathard throwing right to Alex Singleton. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've, they've created disruption on defense, 
And then on offense, they've just been phenomenal in terms of not making dumb. Hertz has been great, both in terms of not making dumb decisions through the air. And then also he hasn't even come close to fumbling the ball away this year. So that's sort of a a departure of what we were used to with the last guy (laughs) that was here. So yeah, it's been, uh, it's been largely an earned uh, turnover differential that they've, that they've uh, put in so far this season. Um, but also on the defense, I would say, you know, TJ Edwards and Kaiser White uh, had good games in the middle of the defense. Yep. TJ had 13 tackles, Kaiser at 11. TJ also, I mean, we talked about the CJ GJ interception. Yep. That was all TJ. TJ yeah. tipped the ball on that, yep. uh, went over the receiver's head and just landed in the hands of CJ GJ. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it was a complete game by, by both the offense, defense, special teams, eh, a little shaky as always. Had the um, great go ahead. punt down at the one yard line by Zach McPherson yes. there, which led to some confusion in the stadium. Understandably so. I don't think everyone, <laughs> you know, always gets to that rule where yeah. for those who don't know and we're maybe confused, when the kicking team, the punting team here, if you will, uh touches the ball, at that point, so in this case the Eagles, the other team, the receiving team, the Steelers, have a free advance. They can take that ball and try to return it. Uh, I believe this happened once upon a time with Colt Anderson against the Packers. I forget if that was 2013 and 2014. And it, it, it's it's understandable why it like looks bad in the moment. It's like, what are yeah. you doing? It looks like it's a fumble or whatever. Um, but the, the thing is, the Steelers were getting that ball at the one, at the very worst, no matter what. They could have advanced it, and if they got some more yards, they could take that. Uh, but even if they fumbled, it would still go back to that spot at the one-yard line where it was first touched. So that's why that happened one of my favorite things to watch is when uh there's maybe it's a safety and maybe it's not and everyone like puts their yeah. hands like a, that, we've safety. talked about that before that's the funniest <laughs> symbol i feel like in all the sports <laughs> it looks like he just looks like ridiculous a, like, like an egyptian dance <laughs> yeah yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> especially when players are doing it on the field yeah like it's very funny <laughs> um but yeah, the, on special teams, the the Steelers converted a fake punt like like the Cardinals did a couple weeks ago, and then there was uh, the weird penalty by BG, where mm. I guess I guess on the telecast, which uh, you and I don't get to hear, Tony Romo guessed that BG was barking out like a cadence to try to get them to jump or snap the ball early or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, that wasn't it. BG just said he twitched like to kind of try to get them to jump, and I actually thought that was. I thought that was legal as long as you don't go into the neutral zone. Right. Whatever. I don't know. <laughs> they threw the, they threw the flag on that. Cleet Blakeman also up... was the yeah. no clear recovery guy in case you <laughs> forgot. That's right. Um, so yeah, that, that wound up, uh, as you mentioned before, they get it. They have the distance to the goal. They get a yard and then they wind up going for the touchdown instead of kicking the field goal, and they get it. So it was a four point penalty, um, which, actually tied the game at that time at seven, seven. So it could have been a worse penalty than it wound up being. Uh, but yeah, again, these special teams errors that they have seemingly every week, you wonder if at some point one of those errors is going to cost them a game. Mm. It hasn't, and it hasn't even come close to really costing no. them a game yet. Uh, but you know, at some point they gotta, <laughs> they gotta start cleaning that up and uh, be a little more sound on special teams, especially when, when you get deeper into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, it's this, uh, there was a penalty earlier in the year. It was on Jordan Davis, who we should mention here also with his injury. But uh, it wiped out a field goal from, I guess it was the Lions. I think it might have been week one. 
And then they ended up not getting a touchdown anyway because they went for it and mm-hmm. didn't get it in like a fourth down scenario. So it actually kind of worked out. Um, but, you know, it extended a drive. So we've seen those kind of mistakes. And maybe some of that's you know, has to obviously be uh, accountability on the player. But I think there's also something to like, you know, <laughs> is the unit super well coached and are they super right. disciplined there? And, you know, like, have they been able to stop a fake punt in since when? Mm-hmm. And the return game stinks. Um, it's not the biggest deal in the world, but even if it could just not be a liability and it could just be like, fine, whatever, that would kind of be an upgrade here. So uh, I don't know how much hope there's going to be for that. Uh, but I mentioned Jordan Davis should talk about him. Uh, got hurt late in the second quarter, carted off the field eventually. Uh, reportedly a high ankle sprain, still waiting on the results of the MRI as we're recording this podcast. But Ian Rappaport said that, uh, four to six week injury typically for what he had. So seems mm-hmm. like a strong candidate to go on injured reserve, which would knock him out, I believe, until what, like week 13 against the Titans at the very earliest he'd be able to return, I think. Uh, or be... what? We're into week nine missed, coming you, up. You have to miss four games. He has to miss yeah, the Texans. 9, 10, 11, 12. Yeah, 9, 10, 11, 12 is what he missed. So yes. whatever whatever week 13 is, whatever that opponent. And that would, that would actually be a good time to get him back if they could mm. uh, against King Henry, of course. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's uh, it's good that uh, not a season ender, but kind of not great in the short term. I don't I don't think they're going to make a move, by the way, for defensive tackle. No, I agree. Like they already have a lot of depth in that spot. Yeah. yeah, like they, they have million, Milton Williams on the roster. They have defensive ends like a Brandon Graham who can kind of play inside if you want. Sometimes they have uh, Marlon Tuipolotu with his first career sack, as you noted. By the way, the Eagles have the most sacks they have ever had in seven games since 2009 so there's mm-hmm. something good for the defense and they also have big marv guy big marv on the practice That's what squad. i was just i was just i was just pulling up the practice squad to see who mm-hmm. they had there so they could always um, uh either elevate him or you know mm-hmm. put him on the roster if they want to put davis on ir which i would guess they would do um so probably just yeah. elevate him a couple times i think another thing they could do too is they could just sign somebody off of uh another yep. team's practice squad if they like them better than marvin or whatever and that feels like someone who might be available in my mind. Like the, the archetype of like run stuffing, bigger defensive tackle. Like mm-hmm. It feels like that maybe might exist on someone's practice squad somewhere. <laughs> right. I don't know. Yeah, not a very hard thing to pick up. I mean, certainly very hard to pick up uh, a replacement for a guy who is sure. 6'6", 340 and moves the way that Jordan Davis does, of course. Right. Uh, but yeah, but just a guy that... that like a poor man's know, can, version of him, yes. Yeah, just a big body that plop down in the middle of the defense on obvious rundowns is not that hard to find. Uh, anything else on the defense? Um, yeah, I guess the one thing I'll, I'll also note on Jordan Davis is you know, the Eagles don't want J- Javon Hargrave and Fletcher Cox playing the kind of snaps that they've played the last three weeks. Like they played around 50 a week ago. They played almost 50 uh, snaps in this game. Um, and actually Jordan Davis's role was expanded uh, in this game before he went down Previously, he was only playing an odd man fronts as the nose tackle. And then in this game, he started getting playing time in uh, in their in, you know, in even man fronts when they when they in four down linemen. Uh, so they had him on the field at the same time as Fletcher Cox, for example, and Javon Hargrave out of the game. So I think he was primed to take some snaps away from Hargrave and Cox to help keep those guys fresh uh, as the season progresses. But now with Har- with uh, Jordan Davis out it's going to be a lot harder for Jonathan Gannon to, you know, not play 
<laughs> Fletcher Cox and, and Javon Hargrave uh, as, as much as they have been the last few weeks. So I think their snap counts are probably going to remain uh, up around, you know, like 60, 70% of the snaps going forward until Jordan Davis gets back, which uh, is, you know, a little bit unfortunate. But um, overall, obviously, the Eagles are very fortunate with you know, the the uh, injury luck that they've had so far this season. It's kind of crazy that this is the biggest injury that they've suffered so far. Right. And uh, he's, you know, reportedly, uh, quote unquote, only going to miss, you know, four to six weeks or whatever. So uh, the Eagles should be thankful uh, for, for you know, sort of the, the luck they've had on that front. Last uh, two points quickly from me on the defense before we take a break. Number one, Javon Hargrave, you just mentioned, is a streaky player typically mm-hmm. or has been. So maybe they this got a lot a of those guys on the D line. Fair point. But like, I think him, he's been like very hot or very cold. I think in terms of his mm-hmm. actual, you know, production that he's posting and sacks and everything. So maybe this is an encouraging sign. Maybe he comes out well rested, fresh after the bye, and he's about mm-hmm. to go on a, on a streak here. So that's something to keep an eye out for. And then Robert Quinn, um, you know, didn't really make much of an impact. Only his only stat that he posted was one quarterback hit. In this game, only played like what twenty snaps or so. Twenty had snaps a, had a limited role. Also, Brandon Graham didn't play a ton, but I'm guessing that's in part because of uh, the hamstring he was kind of mm-hmm. dealing with. I'm guessing they kind of wanted to keep him on a, a pitch count, uh, especially against a team that they presume would be beatable. So, uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that Robert Quinn and he did yes had the worst PFF grade, which he's been like grading out poorly by them all season long from the Steelers game. I mean, you know, his first game with the team after only joining them in a couple of days, and he was playing on a short week too because the Patriots had played or the Bears had played the Patriots yeah, Monday on Monday night. night. Yeah. And you know, there's travel, so he went from like yes. New England to Chicago to Philly. So you know, like you know, not figuring gonna, out where he's going to live in the yeah, short term. <laughs> not going to crush him certainly for his first <laughs> yeah. game, but um, something to monitor still since he hasn't been good this season. It would be nice to see a you know spark from him at some point. Uh, but that's all I've got. Are you ready okay. to take a break? Let's take. A break uh, but. But before we do Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors you can call her or text her at six no eight five six eight five six nine zero six nine two nine five if you're looking to buy or sell your home she was voted by God as the best realtor in the history of the universe uh, again eight five six nine zero six nine two nine five back after this when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Back here on BGN Radio, which is brought to you by Kristen Roach for Roach Realtors and Righteous Felon Crafter. You can go to RighteousFelon.com. Use discount code BGN for 15% off your order today. Jimmy, it's time to kind of quickly recap, I think, what yeah. the rest of the NFC had or has been happening. Uh, I want to quickly say 
screw the Raiders. Uh, they did not help the Eagles. <laughs> uh, they, what is this? They blow out the Texans last week and they get shut out. They were one and a half point favorites going into this game against the Saints. And they, they, they got shut out. This was what one was of that? my most competent picks of the week, too. So, this was my lock of the week. <laughs> it makes me look bad. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what happened there. I didn't watch any. I didn't see a second of that game. How um, do they not score a point? I don't know. I mean, so Devontae Adams had one catch for six yards, I think. So that probably had something to do with it. And he didn't get mm-hmm. hurt. Like, he played 40-something snaps, it looked like. So, um, I don't know, man. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, their 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 uh, draft position dropped from four per tankathon.com to what i think you had it at nine nine and the dangerous part here is only the falcons are ahead of them right now in the nfc south in terms of like you know the bucks are technically also ahead of them because the bucks beat them Mm -hmm. bucks aren't looking so hot um and the falcons are four and four and the saints have the tiebreaker over them so far because they beat them in week one so like that's kind of a precarious position there because they're at nine right now, but they could easily jump up a lot to, you know, the playoffs if uh, yeah. the Saints it's are like able to. At minimum 19th or worse. Yes, I think, yeah, 19th at the very best for the Eagles it could yeah. be uh, if they make the playoffs. So that's not great. This, that's why I said this was a crucial game. This was like a game that the, like, the Eagles needed the Raiders to win. And so that's a bit of a bummer. But uh, in terms of rest of the league, um, I guess we can start in the division. Uh, the Cowboys won. Mm-hmm. The, the Justin Fields thing I mentioned earlier, which I'm surprised you didn't see yet, was he completed a pass, and I think it was to David Montgomery. And Montgomery took off running, and he fumbled. And then Justin Fields had a chance to down Micah Parsons. Like, didn't need to tackle him. Just need to, like, touch him down. Oh, and he jumped over and him. he just jumped over him instead. <laughs> and then Micah Parsons ran it back for a touchdown. Oh, it's not So good. Justin Fields, huge loser and not a good player. You see people. rookies do that in preseason games sometimes because they just don't remember that the college rules are different than sure. the NFL rules. But you're too it's a bad luck. Yeah, uh, I got to look that up after the podcast is over. It's just yeah. So, <laughs> uh, was never counting on the Bears to beat the Cowboys. To be clear, because field is not good. So you know, not surprising that Cowboys won. They scored a lot of points, so that's mm-hmm. you know everyone's gonna be like, oh, Cow-. the Cowboys optimism this season. I've talked about this before. Um, because I see it with RJ a lot. It's just like, it's just so funny to me because again, you're just ignoring this juggernaut in the division that beat you. <laughs> like, I feel like your, your excitement for that team can only be so high when it's like, oh yeah, there's that thing still above us, but whatever. <laughs> right. uh, we'll get into that more on the NFC's mixtape. Uh, do you have any thoughts on them? Well, the Cowboys, they have their bye now this week mm-hmm. and then they have two hard games up. Well, I don't know. Maybe they have one hard game upcoming. They're, so week 10, they're in Green Bay, which uh, who, knows what you're gonna get out of, <laughs> who knows what you're going to get out of Aaron Rodgers uh, and, and the Packers going forward. And then the following week, they play in Minnesota, which uh, Vikings game. are six and one. So, I mean, the only bad game they've played so far this year was when the Eagles just took them to the woodshed yeah. in week two. So, um, yeah, I mean, they, they have a couple harder games coming up after playing the Lions and Bears. Uh, the last two weeks um, giants seemingly every week this year during their winning streak, they were just beneficiaries of their opponent making some weird, bad, uh, big mistake uh, at the end of games. And I thought we were going to have that again against Seattle when Tyler Lockett dropped what should have been a very easy touchdown catch uh, when the score, I think was 10, 10 at the time. Uh, I believe Seattle had to settle for a field goal uh, after he dropped that, that touchdown. Uh, but nope, wasn't to be. Seattle just pretty much outplayed 
uh, the Giants in this game. Giants only had like 225 yards total, I think, uh, like 13 or 14 first downs. Their punt returner lost two fumbles. So this was a game that the Giants looked a little bit more like what they've been the last five years mm-hmm. and less uh, what they've looked like so far this year. And really, it was only a matter of time before, you know, they played <laughs> kind of down to what their actual talent level is uh, on their roster. Um, I mean, give them all the credit in the world for getting for for being six and two sure. uh, at this point in the season. But I think this game against uh, the Seahawks, and I know that you're a big Seahawks guy this year. Yeah. Um, and they're a lot better than than uh, certainly I anticipated they would be. Uh, but yeah, the, the Giants finally faltered uh, in a game in the second half this this year. Yeah, I felt this is so I can't pick lock. I can't pick the same team for the SB Nation NFL show per our rules that I made up uh, okay. for lock of the week. It's just not fun. I feel like for content to just you know take the same team, but like I wanted to take the Seahawks again because I picked them last week. I think to beat uh-huh. the Chargers, and I wanted to take them this week to beat the Giants because I felt incredibly good because it just felt like the Giants were due. They can't keep winning all these games. They were going to lose yeah. one of these games. And I, th- I just think they ran into a better team on the road. So I don't think they have any reason to hang their heads, but I think you see the ceiling with this team. They need more talent. The coaching and everything can only go so far. Um, and I think that's what they ran into this week. So they're going to be an interesting team to watch here at the trade deadline because there's some talk that they could maybe get Jerry Judy, um, Brandon Cooks, which also from an Eagles perspective, I think is very interesting to watch because maybe the Eagles don't have to face him on Thursday night, which would be like a nice. Oh boost. yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Not that they should be able to, I uh, shouldn't be able to beat the Texans anyway, but if you can play them with also out their best receiver by far, yeah. uh, that'd be a nice little, you know, advantage you have going for you in addition to everything else. Um, so I think they can, you know, potentially add someone at receiver and become a little bit more dangerous. Uh, but overall, not too concerned about them. It's just that um, they're kind of like a, you know, uh, a pesky team. Uh, and I don't, I think more so in an, an annoyance more than like a legitimate threat, which is, which is good for where they are. That was a super important game for, for, from the Eagles perspective, by the way, for them to lose, because yes. if they had won this game, they're, they're sitting there at seven and one, you only have a half game, you only a half game up on them and their upcoming schedule is, well, they, they like, like the Cowboys, they have a bye this week too. Mm-hmm. And then they have the, the Texans at home mm. <laughs> and then the Lions at home. So you're mm. looking at like being nine and one more than likely. Uh, after that game, and then they have a big uh, upcoming uh, game. It's actually, two weeks in a row, they have NFC games. Excuse me, NFC East games uh, at Dallas, and then at home against uh, the Commanders. But uh, yeah, so so for them to fall to six and two gives the Eagles a little more breathing room uh, at the top of the NFC. They now have a one point five game advantage over uh, everyone else in the division. By the way, the the Vikings, uh, we mentioned them before. They have uh, a three and a half game <laughs> lead uh, on the Packers, and like, like let's say the Eagles and eventually wind up uh, as the one seed. Mm-hmm. That is a very unthreatening type of like, you know, potential number two seed. Yeah, uh, you know the 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 quote the you know the, theoretical like biggest threat to the Eagles in the playoffs should it play out that way. I I think yeah. To me, it's not the Vikings. The Vikings are not the the second or the scariest team to me in the NFC. I, the Seahawks are up there, and the the mm-hmm. Seahawks and the Forty ers I think are competing yeah. for that number two. Yes, but like I I think yes, they're in the conversation, but it's not. They're not number two for me. Uh, they're, they're they're up there, sure. But I just think so how would you rank them? Um, I would say probably right now. 
I'd, I'd probably say, see, the thing with the 49ers is they're inconsistent, but if they're playing like at their ceiling and <laughs> yes. they're not totally banged up, which is not a given for them, probably them, because, you know, they've been to the NFC Championship game two of the last three years. I think there's something to that. Um, although, again, you could get a very bad version of Jimmy G that shows up. Sure. But if we're talking about ceiling, I think their ceiling scares me the most. Um, and then I'm going to go with the Seahawks because it kind of reminds me of why the Seahawks were scared of the Eagles once upon a time uh, in the 2013 playoffs. Because, like, they're kind of just not that Pete Carroll is like a new coach and he's unknown. But there's just something to that team. There's, like, expectations are so low. Like, everyone's still mm-hmm. doubting them, not buying in. And I just feel like they're kind of a, in a dangerous position there. Um and Gino's playing at a very high level. Like he just he is. Like it's it's kind of inexplicable. And then Kenneth Walker is also really good. And Metcalf and who who was you know given Darius Slay problems like specifically. Um, and then I Chen and Uosu, by the way on defense also you like him yeah you're having a phenomenal year year this year. And then Diggs is really good as well. Um, so yeah, they have talent. They have playmakers. Uh, so I'd put I'd, I'd say 49ers, Seahawks, and then Cowboys. Just it's it's very close. I'm not trying to disrespect the Cowboys. Um, I mean, I am actively a lot of times, but in this case, I'm not. I'm saying they're all very close to me, but I'd currently rank them like that. What about you? Okay. Yeah, I'd probably go 49ers, uh, and 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 then I go Cow. Actually, you know what? Okay. I might go Cow. I think I'm going Cowboys first, mm. and then I'll go Niners, and then uh, I think the Eagles got a very bad version of the Vikings uh, week two. Yeah, if they played again, that game would certainly be a lot closer. I would have them three. Okay. And then I'd have the Seahawks for Ooh, sleeping on the Seahawks. Dangerous. Maybe, you know, I'll say this about Gino. So, I mean, we've, he's had a really good year throwing the ball, but at the end of that giants game, he scrambled for a first down that basically ended that game. He looked good as a runner. Yeah. And I always like, I mean, he, that hasn't always been a big part of his game. Like he has no. the ability to run around a little bit. He looked spry on that run. Mm. I was impressed by him being able to pick up that, that final first down. He looked good as a runner. Jimmy's frozen. He, oh, <laughs> at least on my screen. Are you there, Jimmy? There now. You're back. Sorry, okay. you, were, you were frozen for a bit, and I wondered <laughs> if you timed out. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't see that. But um, else, so we we kind of touched on the NFC there. Uh, mm-hmm. We can move to our final thing, which is Jimmy. Tell me who the Eagles are trading for. All right, so we'll each what take. We each get one shot. I guess we get, we had to flip a coin. Do you have a coin nearby? I don't have a coin. Uh, um, I got a. I got a. Something you can flip. Yeah, I got a. Uh, <laughs> that doesn't a, count. A, a, a contacts, yeah, lens contact lens case. case. What do you All want? Right. You want uh, uh, I want top, top side, side or bottom side? Okay. You got it. Yeah, I mean, it's probably that's probably the best side. The bottom the, side definitely weighs more than the top side. The you side is definite, designed to go on. Definite uh, advantage on that one. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter. Uh, Kareem Hunt, you know. Uh, uh, I mean, yeah, obviously. Uh, I mean, we saw Nick Sirianni posing with him. You've mentioned how your NFL sources tell you the Eagles are not done and running back is a position. You said this on the last BGN radio episode. Yeah. They kind of want uh, more help there, not because they – hate Miles Sanders and doubt him as much as they just need more depth at that spot, given his mm-hmm. injury history. Um, and we talked about how the Eagles want to rotate their defensive linemen. I'm sure they also don't want to give 20 carries to their running back at the same right. time. Their one running back that they feel good about. Um, and then also just, you know, if we're talking about areas to improve on a very kind of stacked team, a running back who has some pass catching ability is certainly one of those because they don't have that right now. Kenneth Gainwell has clearly not turned out to be that guy. Uh, in any kind of dangerous way. And Sanders has only gotten worse somehow every single year. 
in terms of receiving production. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think he makes the most sense. And if, you know, Ralph Vacciano, is that, that is, that's his name? Va- Vacciano, right? I think. Vacciano? Yeah. Sorry. Uh, he's saying, like, you can only take a fourth, which that seems too low to me. But, like, that's a no-brainer. Really? See, I think that's too high. Really? I don't think, th- I don't think they're going to get a four for him. Hmm. I mean, you gotta, they, why? You gave a four for Ajay Ajayi. Yeah, so is he uh, is Jay Ajayi, was he a better player than Kareem Hunt? Well, he was he still had a year and a half left on his rookie contract. But he also wasn't as good of a pass catcher. This is a pure rental. Sure, but like again, that you're getting in, pass catcher. In, in, in yeah, but it's a pure and he also hasn't had a great year so far this year. He's averaging okay. four he's averaging 4 yards per carry. Mm-hmm. Like last year he was up around like just just under 5. Mm-hmm. This year he's he's 4.0. Um okay. but I I I think he's I mean, of course, there will be plenty of people if they trade for a Kareem Hunt, and rightfully so, who will just be totally against sure. that move because of uh, his, you know, the video that emerged of, of, of him in, during the 2018 season when he was still with the Chiefs. Chiefs mm-hmm. cut him immediately after that video emerged of him. Um, I think he, like, I think he, did he kick a girl in a hallway of... A, like a hotel or he, apartment he, complex yeah, or something he, like that he struck a woman it's very course. easy to find online uh if you want to watch that uh if like you just want to see what happened um but if so if they do trade for him of course people are not going to be happy about that and rightfully so you know but yes. as a player he's a great fit because he gives you the power element between the tackles uh, that I don't think the Eagles are necessarily missing. I think Miles Sanders has run hard between and the tackles so far the this quarterback's year. Quarterbacks also good at that. Exactly, and but I think in terms of preservation of the quarterback and also preservation of Miles Sanders as the season uh, unwinds, Hunt gives you the opportunity to you know preserve those two guys, and then also uh, um, like like you said, he's injury insurance for for Miles Sanders, who by the way missed games at three different points of the season last year. Uh, but Hunt can give you that gives you that power element inside. He can catch passes, as you noted, um, and he's used to playing in playing sort of second fiddle to a, a, the number one running back in Cleveland, of course, with uh, with Nick Chubb there. So um, I don't know if he's super thrilled <laughs> about like I think that's part of the reason he wanted to be traded from the Browns. Uh, but I think uh, you know pretty much any contender that he would go to would probably sort of be that second fiddle again anyway. Uh, so yeah, I think that's possible. I, I don't think it takes a fourth round pick. The Eagles don't even have a fourth round pick, by the way. They have a this year, have, obviously no. the, the two, they have the two ones, a two, a three, and then two sevens. Uh, they have extra picks in twenty twenty four. Including the two. Browns are interested in that. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe like in uh, Hunt for and a pick like Hunt and a five, or like Hunt and a four for the Eagles three makes oh, okay. sense. So, uh, but I don't know. Um, I, I don't. I don't think he's worth a four. I, like I think when whenever you see that the cost of the player, it's always not that. <laughs> it's always less than that uh, because typically the cost is coming from the team trying to trade him. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, uh, I'll take a shot in the dark with my player. Mm-hmm. I'll go Dante Foreman from mm. the Panthers, who already traded one running back this year. Uh, but he's, you know, same type player in terms of the power element, but less of a, uh, pass catcher out of the backfield filled in fine for Derrick Henry, uh, the year that they, last year when they got the one seed in the uh, AFC South, when Henry missed like half the season, basically during the regular season, 
I think he makes sense as, as a guy that you can just plug right in if uh, Miles Sanders gets, if Miles Sanders gets hurt. Uh, and you mentioned Foreman as you know a potential free agent target um, mm-hmm. back in the offseason. Uh, had a good run to the end of last year with the Titans, uh, specifically when Derrick Henry got hurt in the playoffs. Uh, what, what we just mentioned there, the power angle, I was that was another thing I wanted to mention about the the coaching staff yesterday. I forget, I, I can't remember the play, but remember there was a play where like typically the Eagles would sneak it there and they kind of like fake that uh-huh. to something else. I, I can't remember that for the life of me. I'm trying to look back at the game log in my notes to find that. Um, but whatever. Point being is like you know they were do, they came out of the bye doing things that um you know new wrinkles and kind yes. of you know keeping in they clearly self scattered and applied some things and uh, I think that again pretends well to the rest of the season because mm-hmm. okay they're not just predictable they're doing different things off of this so now we kind of don't know what they're going to be doing we kind of have to be a little more honest anyway it's a tangent but uh, that was the other point I wanted to bring up so my lot of rocked somebody on that play by okay. the way well what was it do you don't remember <laughs> what it was. What what are you talking about? The, that the play, play that they I'm ran. Talking about the yeah, one. so they it was the, I, the Steelers were selling out to stop the sneak, mm-hmm. and uh, instead he like Hertz kind of just threw like a chess pass to Sanders who ran to the edge. Okay, and he picked okay. up the first down with like easily. I thought Sanders. And they was... also went unbalanced on that play too. So uh, Mylotta moved over to play, uh, basically tight end uh, outside of mm. Lane Johnson on the right side, and he. He wrecked a linebacker on that play. So uh, the Eagles have until 4 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday to make a move. By the way, uh, something I didn't really think about that I wanted to bring up with the Robert Quinn trade at the time was now all the more reason to make the move when they did is because you get him then for week eight and week nine. Like anyone the Eagles trade for this week, It'll be tough to play because they play on Thursday night and it's on a road. Yeah. So like there's the travel involved too. Um, so let's say they, they do trade for Kareem Hunt or your guy, Dante. What has, what's that? Deontay. I don't know. Deontay it's Foreman. D apostrophe O-N-T-A. It looks like Dante, right? Yeah. So let's say. Almost tra- like former, Devonta. Former Texans draft pick. Yes. Um, so yeah, like it's like, you know, how much would those guys even be able to play this week because the game is on Thursday? Um, but it wasn't Sanders on that play. It was not. It Tim was. Bert. Yeah. And we must, we must be thinking of different plays then. Well, did it count as a risk? I don't think it counted as a No, reception. no, no. He pitched it to him, but he oh, threw okay. like a yeah, chest yeah, pass yes. pitch to Okay. Him. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. There you go. Yeah. Now yeah, that, that is clicking now. Um, all right. Any final thoughts? Uh, yeah. I mean, Beat the hell out of these cheaters, the cheaters. <laughs> Phillies. Like, I hate this team already after just two games with an extreme passion. Just uh, take care of business, Phils. Please. Thank you. Where do you stand on the whole cheating thing? Because there's, there's like, I think there's the initial reaction. The Astros are yeah. cheating. And then there's like the people. And sorry, Dan. But I'm going to call it Dan Klausner, who's like, and even James Seltzer. And like people like who act like they're too good for that. And it's like, <laughs> it look, makes us look bad if we're complaining about cheating. But yeah. to me, it's like, okay, but they're cheating. Like, yeah. it's, and it's, yeah. it's also, it's not just because people want to focus and drill down and be like, well, the bat wasn't illegal for uh competitive advantage. It wasn't like a corked bat. It was just, it was just dangerous to players. Is it illegal? Yes. Yeah, right. Should it be used then? No. Should there be punishment? Yes, there should be. How is that? How is it? And also it's not even just about that. Take that aside it's all about the slippery slope of cheating and it raises questions about what else they are doing that isn't caught because 
as we've seen with the New England Patriots, it's not like they just stop. They don't just stop. They keep doing it. And then they get caught again at some point, like the yeah. Patriots did multiple times. And again and again, it was Spygate. And then it was the deflated balls. And then it was the taping signals at the Bengals game. Like, they're good. They just keep, they're not going to stop. They're going to keep yeah. doing it. So, like, fans absolutely have the right to be frustrated with cheating. And also, that's the first part of it. And second, it's I think it's totally fine to homer it up and be like, you know, the team is cheating. They absolutely are cheating. I don't think it's the reason, the reason why the Phillies lost the other night, to be clear. But more than one thing can be true. You can still be mad about mm-hmm. them cheating and acknowledge that the Phillies didn't play well enough. Major League Baseball handling of that when they got caught was basically, I mean, they basically said, well, they're going to have to live with the stigma of cheating for for the foreseeable future. And and you know what? You know what? Guess what? Uh, I'm going to, in my mind, (laughs) like they deserve everything they get. Like Uh every bit of criticism, every bit of warranted, unwarranted. Exactly. Doesn't matter. They deserve every last bit of criticism and speculation and whatever that, that, that comes their way. Screw that team. I hate them. And I hope they, I hope they eat the Phillies just absolutely bury them over the next three games. I hate that team. I love how mad you are. I don't even like baseball that much. Right. (laughs) Like, like I don't, I I don't watch that many baseball games. I hope this team, I hate, like I hated those Patriots teams that were cheating. It's it's like people work their whole lives to get to the professional level. Sure. And then to have a team beat you in the world series because they cheated. Yeah. And I'm not even talking about this year necessarily, but I'm talking about like it, the year that they were blatantly cheating and were getting mm-hmm. like extreme advantages with the way they were cheating. Like that is, that is guard. Like that is crazy yeah. to me that. And also their, their whole attitude after they got, after they, yeah. if, before they got definitively caught, their whole attitude was like, no, Come on. Above reproach. Yeah. <laughs> right. Screw that. T- I hate that team so much. Yeah. The Phillies absolutely have to bury them. Please. That's why. Yeah, Please, Phillies. It, would make it so much sweeter if slash when they do. It's just like <laughs> you freaking cheated and you didn't even win the World Series this time. Yes. Freaking cheaters. Right. And I agree with you. It absolutely. That's the thing. You lose all benefit of the doubt. You lose it. It's not just like. It's not as simple as, well, they were caught cheating and they were punished or whatever. And now it's over. No, it's not over. It doesn't end. And again. Yeah. You've seen examples of the past where the cheating continues to go on and then gets caught out, found out later from cheating teams. They don't get the benefit of the doubt anymore. So uh, I'm fine with people complaining about cheating because it's it's a, it's not not a thing. I mean, even some of the stuff like because it, it's not even just about necessarily like the bat or doing something illegal. Even like the game one where the guy leans into the pitch, like that's like cheating mindset. It's like we have yeah, to, yeah, you, yeah. We, we can't beat him fair yes. and fair. We have to do like these dirty little BS <laughs> stuff everything we can to win which i respect you know maximizing your what edges legally but like to, to cheat and i know that's not like cheating where you get punished for it you know it's not like you're gonna get yeah. fined for leaning into a pitch but still it's that to me that just speaks to the culture and the mindset of what's going on there it's it's all about cheating it's not about freaking going out and beating them because you're the better team it's just like it's just cowardly stuff. So oh, cowardly move by that player too like super cowardly. i can't beat you so somebody else do it instead I feel like this isn't <laughs> next guy about. in the lineup. You beat you get the hit. Next guy in the lineup. I can't do it. No, you, I hope it hits my elbows. Why can't you just go to first base? I feel Loser. like I could be wrong, but I feel like the pitch before <laughs> the one where he did that and great call by the ump, by the way. And I'm not just saying that because of like it helped the Phillies, but great call because like the stones to be like, no, that was yes. BS. And it was it was it was the right call. Although yes. it should have been a strike, not a ball. Anyway, um, the pitch before that, if you at least maybe it looked to me this way, at least on the replay. 
because the the pitch before that one got really close to him. Yeah, it went was over a bad his head, kind of right. Yeah, it was a bad pitch he by Robinson. He like ducked under it. Yes, but like, but like, I swear, watch that on replay. Because even as he's ducking under it, he's kind of like leaning slowly. Yeah, he's like turning away, <laughs> but he's like turning turning away like into the ball a little bit. Yeah. I swear, because I I thought, I'd, and I'm not saying that in hindsight. I thought that at the moment, I was like, it kind of looked like he was trying to lean in like a little bit yeah. there. And then, sure enough, he actually more blatantly does it the next time. And I'm like, see. This is this team. This is the team that RJ Ochoa uh, supports and actually. Oh, RJ's a Astros fan. He's not even dude, a uh, RJ. He's is, not even a Rangers fan. He is like he is um the he. I mean, does he? He's really where does like, he live? Uh, I forget exactly. Um, I for, I don't, and also I don't want to dox him, but I forget yeah, exactly. Oh, I, where, yeah, okay. I mean, like roughly in Texas. I forget. I he lives in, does he live in Texas? But but hear this. He is like the Texas version of the typical bandwagon Cowboys fan. You know, like the Cowboys fan who roots for the Cowboys and the Lakers and the, the Yankees. Spurs when they were good. Well, this is well, he is a Cowboys oh, is he fan, Lakers fan from Dallas. He is okay. a Spurs fan, San Antonio, and he's also yeah. an Astros fan for baseball. Yeah, all like yeah, different yeah. cities, all in Texas. So he's like the Texas. Yeah, what's wrong with the Rockets? What's wrong with, or or, uh, or or the Mavericks? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> A great question, Jimmy. He also his favorite <laughs> soccer team is Manchester United, which is like, you know, uh not currently, but they were like, you know, the Yankees of soccer for uh-huh. a long time. So yeah, front runner. Anyway, um <laughs> that was a good segment. Uh go Phils, game three tonight, huge game. Gotta win. Uh next three in Philly. Uh and then potentially could be wrapped up in theory, right? Before the Eagles play again. I mean, if they win these next three, which not yeah, necessarily likely, yeah. but that would be awesome. Um, maybe we have to do a Phillies only podcast if they win. Okay, would you be down for that? When find the time? I wonder when they would have. I'm trying to remember how soon after the World Series ended last time that they that they had the parade. Same, I don't remember. If did you, you want to hear, that? huh? Did you go to that? No, I was only no, I was only like well, not too young to go, but it was just like I, I didn't live in you know closer to philly super close at the time i think i'd like school okay. i think i I think I was in school All right. yeah it was i think it was like my junior year of high school i don't think i could go that was a fun day yeah <laughs> i got a uh, uh, a few drinks that day hmm. so was, i'll leave it at that Irish car bombs <laughs> maybe uh all right this has been bgn radio 285 we'll be back with you in the next day these make a trade on tuesday deadline day and it's a big deal that then we'll try to shoot for an emergency podcast slash could get into a Texans preview as well. Um, if not, maybe Wednesday, we'll figure that out. We'll play that one by ear. But the point is, we'll be having another podcast for you to before the game on Thursday night, condensed week here. So, um, yeah, kind of a crazy schedule, but we're going to make it work and go Phils. That's my final thought. And also, oh, Good. shout out to uh, Han, Han from New Zealand, big Eagles fan. Um, ended up traveling from New Zealand to Philly uh, to go to his first Eagles game ever. Longtime BGN commenter and actually was like a moderator for us in the comments for a while there. So mm, okay. uh, Han's an awesome dude. Uh, met him at lunch for uh, Woodrose on Saturday. Great guy. All right. Goodbye, everybody. See you later. BGN.